tonight. Well, we'll have a little bit of time later tonight to chat and finish up those stories. Uh, I grew up going to a camp up kind of near where we went to in Mount Hermon. Uh, and it was super embarrassing. I was one of those very energetic and like super happy campers that was just ready to do like whatever was asked. And so I, I remember it was my senior year. We were in, um, in session and they were, wanted to see who could eat a banana the fastest. And I was like, obviously that's me for sure. I'm the fastest at everything. And so, uh, the caveat was we had to eat the banana blindfolded. Yeah, so they invited a group of us on stage. They gave us all blindfolds. We were blindfolded. They said, ready, set, go. I got super into it. I think we had to eat like three bananas. And when they announced me as the winner, I took off my blindfold, and I was the only one on stage still. <laughs> yeah, that was great. So that's my camp story. Um, but like I said, tonight we're going to be wrapping up this series on XOXO, which is Pursuing Healthy Relationships. And so we've got a group of questions here. Um, that, that you've all sent in to answer about dating, relationships. I'm not going to be able to get to all of them, but thank you so much for participating. Um, but we wanted to reach out to people that we really trusted and respected and feel like um, we would want these people to speak into our community. And so tonight we're going to have Eugene Lee and Esther Lee, uh, who are our campus pastors for the Menlo Park campus. Why don't you join me up on stage? Welcome. Um, I've known Eugene for about two years. I actually started attending at the Menlo Park San Mateo campus when you were the campus pastor there. And I don't know if you remember, but uh, I think we had a conversation once, and this is before I even thought about getting into ministry. And I was like, hey, what, tell me about you. Tell me about um, what it's like to be a pastor. And I kind of still remember that conversation. So what that was really I fun. You, what did I say? Uh, uh, hello, hello. There oh, we yeah. go. Uh, you basically said, pray about it. Listen to God. That's the classic pastor answer. <laughs> the classic Just pastor Just pray about answer. it. That's the answer to every question tonight. Well, just if, pray about it. If you didn't get anything out of this series, yeah. you just did. Yeah. So you can just yeah. pray about it. Right. But I thought it would be really cool if you guys could just maybe introduce yourselves and then maybe tell about your guys' story of how you started sure. dating. Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, it's good to be here tonight. Um, Esther and I have been looking forward to this. Adam asked us about, I don't know, a couple months ago if we could come out and just share with you guys a little bit of our story and our journey as a husband and wife and how far that goes and what we've learned along the way. So we'll share a little bit of our journey and what we've learned and some of our experiences with you. And, you know, there's a lot of freedom in this conversation. So I uh, would definitely love to follow up if you have, if you have more questions or if you want to dig into anything. But Esther and I have been married now for, believe it or not, 17 years and 97 days. I count every day. Did you look that up? I count every day. (laughs) Now, every day I wake up and I say, okay, tomorrow's going to be 17, 98 days, 99. I just, uh, yeah, we got married on June 22nd, 2002. We didn't really date, so we don't have a lot of wisdom around that. This was an arranged marriage. Uh, It's a joke. I'm just, yeah. (laughs) Um, we have, uh, we have three kids. We have, uh, a 16 year old, a 14 year old and a nine year old at home right now who are supposed to be doing homework and going to bed, getting ready for school. Um, I, uh, as Mark said, I'm a pastor here at Menlo Church. I've been here for about six years. Prior to this, I was a pastor out in Boston at a church very similar to Sanctuary. I led a church for nine years where the average age was 21. There were like 500 young people that came to my church every weekend, and it was very much like this. College students, young adults, young professionals, singles in Boston. Anybody from Boston or go to school? Okay, yeah, we've got a few. we got a few. 
Um, so that's a little bit about me. And then you want to say a little bit about you? Who are you? What do you do? I feel like you said yeah. everything. Else. No, I didn't say anything um, about you. I will say when <laughs> I will say Adam asked us to come speak uh, here tonight, and he said we're looking for old but cool people to come speak. <laughs> and Eugene came home and he was like, "Yes, they asked us." And I'm like, "Dude, I don't think that's a compliment." <laughs> so here we are, old, old but still cool, I guess. Um, gosh, so I'm Esther. I grew up in mostly the East Coast, um, as Eugene said. We moved. Uh, to, I moved to Boston um, when we first got married, almost 17 years ago, and then we moved out to the Bay Area about six years ago. Uh, I feel like I'm repeating. We have three boys. Um, we live in San Mateo. Um, I work for a little tech company out here, and we, uh, my, the boys and I still go to the San Mateo campus, and Eugene is over at Memo. That's great. So just to dive into maybe your story a little bit more, um, was there a point where you knew that the other person was the one? Is there the one? Or was, is it just, yeah, can you just kind of yeah. speak so, into that? Yeah, uh, so I met Esther for the very first time at Seattle Tacoma Airport. Uh, this was <laughs> so before 9-11. And remember before 9-11, does anybody remember where you could just go, there was no security. You could go right up to the gate if you had somebody coming to visit and you could greet them right as they were coming off the airplane. Some of you guys are like, what? There was a time like that? There was a time like that. And uh, friends, uh, four friends of mine, uh, we were in grad school and we had planned this trip out to Seattle and Vancouver. We we're going to spend a week out in the Pacific Northwest in June, which is a lovely time to be there. And one of the guys, one of our friends was like, hey, I'll meet you guys at, at SeaTac. And by the way, I'm bringing my sister. And we we're like, what? Sister? Like, this is a guy's, well, I mean, there were, yeah, this is a guy's weekend except Julie was there too, so there was a guy and a girl. Um, and we're like, okay, all right, sure, fine, fine, fine. And, um, and his sister, this was Dave, happened to be Esther. And so I remember getting off the airplane and walking uh, into our gate, and Dave was there, and Esther was there, and I just forgot about Dave. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my gosh, this girl is cute, and we're gonna spend a week together in Seattle. He had a girlfriend at that time. Wow. <laughs> just say it. My version of the story is my brother and I decide to go on, uh, I think I had just graduated from college and we had decided to go out to Seattle and he's like, hey, some buddies of mine will be out there. Why don't we go meet them at the airport? I was dating somebody and it was over because you, you, you ruined that relationship, but I, I got the better end of the deal. So... Uh, we spent a week out in Vancouver, and Esther was a lot of fun. We were eating, we were hiking, we were meeting friends, had a great time, and then see, didn't see each other for about a year after that. Um, this was just before I got my first cell phone. So I didn't even have a cell phone, we didn't text, we didn't have social media at the time. We are old, aren't we? Yeah, we're old and, yeah, we, yeah you had Hotmail, I had Yahoo at the time, and I still have Yahoo, by the way. Um, and we didn't talk for about a year, and then a year later, uh, we reconnected because you were teaching down in Virginia at the time and wanted to come up where I was studying theology and take a class on uh, Christian ed because you had an education background. And so I did what every good guy would do. I was like, hey, you know, is there anything I can do for you? Like, I can help you run errands. Can I pick you up from the airport? Or do you want to go out to dinner or watch a movie? <laughs> I just started offering all these services because she didn't know anybody, and I just wanted to be a hospitable person. And over the course of about four weeks, 
We spent a lot of time together sharing uh, about our passions, our dreams, our story. And before she left, I said, hey, I think there's more to this than there, there, there's more to it than just a friendship. So I asked her out. And then six months later, I asked her to marry me. And four months after that, we got married. So in 10 months, right, we went from like, hey, can I take you to CVS to, hey, you want to go to Maui for honeymoon? Like it, like, it happened pretty fast. That's kind of, am I missing anything? Yeah, no. Mark's question was, how, how do you know? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, how do you know? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Do you want to so take a stab at that? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. I, I actually don't like this question, and I think it's like the most asked question when you talk to a married couple of, how did you know if this person was the one? I didn't know. Did you know? I knew from the very first time <laughs> I saw you at the airport. I, I didn't know. It's um, okay. No, it's, I, I actually grew up, my dad is a pastor, and my brother, who we you heard about, David, met my met Eugene at seminary. So my brother is also a pastor. So my goal in life was to not marry a pastor. <laughs> um, and uh, when I met Eugene, it was unfortunate because I really liked him, but he was studying to be a pastor. Um, and it was really one of those things where I, uh, like on paper, someone is or isn't what your profile, what you're looking for. But I just kind of really liked hanging out with him. And I just liked him as a person. And so for me, um, I think I had a list of sort of things that I thought I wanted in a future spouse, yeah. which you didn't, right here. <laughs> you didn't right actually here. check a lot off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I really liked... Dang. <laughs> we didn't really practice Can this. Can we get a nice <laughs> <roast of> Eugene <laughs> tonight? Jeez. <laughs> no, no, and I think it was, gosh, I just really like hanging out with this person. I like uh, just... Uh, I'm very intrigued by the person of Eugene, and I think for me, how do, how do I know? He didn't meet my list, but it was someone that I really enjoyed hanging out with. It sounds so simplistic, but really that was... I, I, I think, I yeah, I mean, I think today, uh, it's an important question, Mark, because I, I think it's never been easier to fall in love or to fall in love with the idea of love or find someone. I mean, there's over, what, 2,000 apps and organizations that help people find each other, right? Like, um, I don't know, the apps like Coffee Meets Bagel or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I also think it's never been, I've never been harder to stay in love or to stay in a committed relationship. Um, and so that's a really important question. And there are all these algorithms out there that help you find someone who's compatible. But I think deep down inside, as compatible as you might be with someone, I don't think that makes them the one. Because statistically, there are probably a lot of people who can fit that profile or that compatibility match. So who among them are the one, right? And I don't think God chooses for us. I think God gives us the freedom to choose. Because if God had chosen that for us, Imagine if one person marries the wrong person, then the chain reaction is no one ever marries the right person, right? And so I, I always tell couples, especially when they're getting more serious about marriage and they want to get into premarital counseling or they want to start talking about uh, the big wedding day, um, I always talk about uh, the promise, the vow is the most important part of what a marriage is. Um, because at a, at a wedding, that's the essence of what you do there. You're making a promise. You're exchanging vows and rings, and you're doing it publicly. You're doing it before God. 
And the vow is not a statement of my love for you today. It's actually a promise of my love for you tomorrow, that I'll love you today, I'll love you tomorrow, I'll love you in 10 years, I'll love you in 30 years till death do us part. That's the promise that we make. And so when you make that promise or when you make that vow with somebody, you are making them the one. You're saying you're the one for me, no matter what happens. For rich or for poor, you know, in sickness and health, till death do us part. Those are kind of the classic vows and promises that we make. But basically you're saying, I choose you to be the one. You know, you and I can be together. And you make that promise and you hold that promise, you keep that promise. And I think that's when that person becomes the one for you. That's great. There's a lot that I want to dive into there. One of the questions that we received was, what is the point of marriage? So if, if, we, if God might be leading you to, to feel those things, why, why should we take that next step? Why should we pursue that? Yeah, yeah that's, that's another good question. Uh, I'll, I'll start off and then, you know, just interrupt me anytime, just like you usually do. Uh, so I'm just, I, that was just a joke. Uh, so, um, you know, the, the point of marriage actually is not that deep or profound. Uh, if, you, uh, if, you're, if you're a Christian and you're aware of the Bible story, you know that at the beginning of Genesis, God is creating the world, the heavens and the earth. You know, he does this over six days, and everything is good. Everything is perfect. This is before sin and death and disease and brokenness entered into the world, and there's a person on earth named Adam who has a perfect relationship with God. But God looks at Adam and he says, it is not good for this man to be alone. And the reason why God says that is because when he creates Adam, he creates him in his own likeness. And we all bear the likeness of God. And so when God creates Adam, he says, let us make man in our own image. So who is God talking to when he says our? He doesn't say, I'm going to make man in my image. He says our. And what God is alluding to there is this triune relationship that he has with himself that we understand as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's revealed to us over time through the narrative of the scriptures as we study the revelation of God. And so God, by virtue of who he is, is in perpetual relationship. And so God has designed us in his likeness. Therefore, we have the capacity and we have the need to be in relationship. Not only that, God has given us the ability to experience deep, deep intimacy. And that intimacy, in, in God's mind, is fulfilled oftentimes through uh, marriage, through romantic love. It's not the only way, but that is one of the chief ways, and I'll call it one of the chief gifts that God gives to us. And so why marriage? Like, what's the point? At the end of the day, it's because God created us to be in relationship. And we all have all kinds of relationships in our lives, but there is one relationship that we have with God in a spiritual sense, and then there's also this one relationship that we can have with somebody in this world that's deeper than all the other relationships, and that's what we consider to be marriage. So it's relationship, it's friendship. I, I usually tell people the essence of marriage is basically friendship, deep, deep friendship with somebody. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I would um, just add maybe the, the um, thinking behind the question is if we're committed to each other and we're in, if we vow to be together, why do we have to get married? I don't know. I, I would imagine in this day and age people are saying, well, what's the point if we're committed and we're together? And I, I almost see it as um, almost like a public sort of 
confession or kind of like baptism where, where you are public, publicly confessing as a couple that this is what you want to be um, together. Um, and I think marriage is not just about you and me, but really the community and the promise uh, to all. That's why we wear rings, right, and, and say that this is my public confession of who I am with. And so um, that's how I interpreted the question when, when I was reading it, but really just it is the commitment and the promise of each other, but also a um, commitment to be in community with others as we um, want to live life together. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think if um, the point of marriage is, is this kind of friendship, usually what I tell people is, you know, how do you know somebody's the one or what kind of compatibility do you look for? Look for somebody that you just like a lot, like somebody that you enjoy spending time with, somebody that you can have deep, long conversations that go on and on and on and on. Uh, I mean, of course, physical attraction can be important for some people or shared hobbies or interests. I mean, those kinds of things, maybe walks of life or you know, similar cultural backgrounds. I mean, those are all things that can, that can help with the compatibility piece. But at the end of the day, what you're gonna do more than anything else you do as a married couple is you're gonna have a lot of conversation. You're gonna talk to each other a whole lot. And so you want to marry somebody that you just love having deep, engaging, meaningful conversations with about anything and everything, like a best friend. And, and I think that's something you want to find. And if, if I, I don't know if I'm going beyond the question here, but you know, if you're finding that there are people that you're attracted to for other things, you can find that uh, sometimes those attractions can wear off or sometimes your interests can change. But that friendship, that connection, that relationship that you have, if, you, if, it, if it's deep and if it's core to your relationship, I think that can really carry you throughout a long period of time. That's great. That's great. Um, so one of the, just, just kind of going off of that, we, we spent a little bit of time just kind of reinforcing that maybe not everyone is called to be in relationship with someone, someone else. Um, we, we, thought, we talked about this idea of, uh, how relationships um, don't always have to be romantic and to get fulfillment from that. Um, to, is, there, is there a way, what, what would you say, how would you encourage someone that's maybe frustrated about being single who just heard you say, like, you know, God, God is calling you to be in relationship with someone, but for whatever reason, it's just not happening for that person. How would you encourage them? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, Jesus, right, uh, who was God in the flesh, was single uh, his entire life. He was never married. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the scriptures, spoke of his singleness, his, his celibacy as well. And so it isn't a biblical directive or a doctrine that being married is better than being single. Um, you know, especially in the ancient culture where Paul was speaking to or writing to, uh, being married and having a family and having lots of kids was actually a status symbol. It was a large part of your identity, and so there was actually pressure to find someone to find a partner and to do life with. And I think in our day and age, I think we have a different kind of pressure. We idolize sex and relationships and marriage and you know, Hollywood does a really good job of doing that. And then just kind of societal pressure that to fit in or be normal, you've got to find somebody, you've got to fall in love, you've got to experience the, the intimacy or the ecstasy of, of having that kind of relationship. And I think that can easily lead us to idolize um, romance and marriage and those kind of relationships, we can put more emphasis on it than it actually needs to bear. 
Uh, because I think there's a lot of value and there's a lot of goodness if you're single, when you're single, in the season of singleness in our lives as well. Um, so I, I think that's, again, a, a pressure that we tend to put on ourselves or that our culture puts on us. Yeah. And um, we then can, again, if it, in dark ways, it can make us think that, gosh, there's something wrong with me if I'm not in a relationship or I should be in a relationship by now or why is everybody else in a relationship and I'm not? And we can start to kind of self-evaluate and think that there might be something wrong or maybe it's just not meant for me to be happy or to be fulfilled. And I don't think that's necessarily true just because you're single or you're not in a relationship. Yeah, I would only add... Um I think there are plenty of married people who are also very frustrated. So I think the question was, uh, what would we say to those who are single who are frustrated? And I, I would say, I think there are plenty of people who are in broken marriages that are frustrated. And I think there are um, people who want to have children who can't, who are frustrated. I think there are people who wish they didn't get married and they're frustrated. And for me, it comes down to really just fulfillment. Like, are we looking to a person or another person um, to fill uh, our souls and to complete us, if you will. Um, and I think the answer is no, whether you're in marriage or not. I think when we um, sort of idolize a person or a relationship and thinking that they will complete us, married or not, um, that can lead to frustration. So I don't think it's a, a question just for, just for single folks, but for just people who are longing for something more from a person that they can't receive. That's good. So in, if we kind of play off of that, uh, thinking that you know we, a relationship can be something that could be potentially like we idolize or that we're searching after to find fulfillment in something that's not maybe the most healthy, something that we're trying to pursue, this idea of health. How do I know if a relationship is healthy? How do I know if, if this relationship is built on things that are pointing towards God as opposed to pointing towards something different? Um, well, I think one way to think about that, uh, at least for me, is that, I mean, you use the word healthy. How do I know if the relationship that I'm having or that I'm in is healthy? Well, uh, in life, healthy things grow, right? If something's healthy, it grows, it bears fruit, it multiplies, it gets better. Um, and I think if you're in a, a committed relationship with somebody, one way you can tell if it's healthy is, are you becoming a better person as a result of that relationship? Does that person make you a better person? I think that's part of the, the beauty and the blessing of marriage is that when we married each other, I mean, we were still, and we still are, works in progress. And Esther is helping me become a better man, a better father, a better husband, a better leader, I mean, a better pastor. I mean, she's teaching me so much more of how to grow and to deepen my sense of, of call and existence in those areas. And I hope that it's mutual. I hope I'm helping her to become a better version of herself. Um, I hope she's growing as a result, that we're both kind of growing together. And as we look back over you know, the last 17 or 18 years of our lives, I mean, we feel so blessed to have been able to have this partnership together and to experience all the things that we've gone through, uh, the challenges, the, the mountain peaks and the valleys, and how there's been that support and that encouragement to, to power through, to have faith, or to be resilient. Um, and I think that's a sign uh, among you know, others that, that maybe what we have is healthy um, and that we're both kind of growing as people. I think also sometimes it's hard to see it when you're in it. So ask your friends, ask people who are close to you, ask your family. Um, we've been married 17 years and we, we definitely have friends uh, 
that we've celebrated marriages with and, and divorces with, not celebrate divorces, but have seen uh, people uh, go through. And oftentimes it has been the community or the friends around them that has been able to speak into people's lives when sometimes you're not able to uh, see yourself, so. That's good. So we talked a little bit about um, starting relationships or building relationships. How do we know when we should maybe stop or when it should be time to pump the brakes or to maybe, like you said, maybe go different ways? So what are some signs or, or what would be your insight into how we can kind of keep a relationship healthy and when we see signs of unhealth to maybe try to, to pull back? Yeah. You want to answer that one? That's a hard one. <laughs> no. um, uh, so, uh, again, I think this is a tricky one because um, I think oftentimes it's hard to see in ourselves. They're called blind spots, right? So sometimes it's hard to see in ourselves when there's something that's not edifying or, or, or life-giving or, or healthy, particularly when it comes into the sphere of relationships. Uh, and, again, some of that is because we depend on them so much or we idolize them or we... Uh, just assume that, hey, this is meant to be good. Um, and so kind of like what you were saying, it's like I think being in relationships in community is actually a really fantastic combination uh, because people can uh, support you, they can encourage you, they can, uh, they can advise you, they can be with you. You, you want to be in community so that other people can kind of get a view of, uh, of your relationship and, and, and then you can share with them where you might be struggling or where you know, it, the, the relationship might not be a life-giving experience anymore. And, and again, sometimes we see it in ourselves and sometimes we don't. Um, and those are always really tricky things. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd say that much. I mean, I, I've definitely, I haven't done this a lot, Mark, but there have been times when I've told people, I was like, I don't think you guys should be together. And those are hard things to say, but I only, I mean, I've said those to people that I really care about and respect, and I just didn't see the magic. I didn't see the compatibility. I didn't see the connection. I didn't see sort of the long-term um, sort of reality of them being together. And, and these are people who've really come to me for advice and for counsel and have really kind of bared their souls to me as one of their pastors. Um, and sometimes people take my advice and other times they don't. Um, and so, even in community, sometimes those are hard things to really share with each other or to talk to one another, but I think there's a lot of value in, in having some close friends who can really speak into those really inner recesses of your heart, your, your thinking, your thoughts, your affections. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's, there's some community wisdom and discernment around that, and then you can seek out people that you trust, mentors. Yeah. Um, spiritual advisors, spiritual leaders in your lives. That's yeah. good. good. Is there anything to add? No? Cool. Yeah, that's kind of building on some of the principles that we talked about in week one, actually, which is when we, when we look to date people, there's two people that are involved. There's the you, and then there's the other person. And being able to be aware of maybe what's healthy for yourself, and then going after characteristics versus, or not characteristics, but character. Looking, looking past the characteristics that we might see in things, uh, or in other people, and so that's really good. Uh, we have a little bit of time left, and I'd just love to open up the floor to you guys. Um, if you were to give us any uh, kind of advice on dating or sex or marriage or anything that you feel like um, that maybe you're being led to speak over this community, um, the floor is yours. Um, yeah, 
Let's see. I think someone once described to me, um, live your life and have sort of your North Star of what, what you're going for and pay attention to who is around you and uh, consider relationship with them. Versus, so if you, if you consider a, uh, two people sort of running toward a thing um, side by side, pay attention to who those people are versus those who are in relationship who are only just looking at each other or looking outward um, and, and sort of going toward different things. Life can probably pre be pretty difficult for you if you're chasing after different things. And so all that to say, it's just an, an illustration of like as uh, your spouse isn't the only fulfilling sort of uh, worth uh, that you have, like, like have your, um, pay attention to where you're going and seeing seeing who's around you. Like that was a really great picture for me. I don't know if I'm describing it well, but um, you should both be sort of aiming towards something versus looking just at each other or looking outward. And it was a, it was a nice just a picture of your spouse is a gift and your partner and a friend um, in the life and the journey that you're leaving living, but they are not the person or the thing that will completely fulfill you. Um, nor sh should they be the one that is completely diverging you from sort of what you are striving toward. And so that's something that has helped me just visually uh, think about what relationships can be. Um, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I think, um, um, you know, one of my favorite comedians is Chris Rock, and uh, he's such a good social commentator. And I remember in one of his um, routines, he said, something along the lines of, you know, he, he's kind of like, would you rather, and he was saying, would you rather be single and lonely or married and bored, right? And um, he was just talking about relationships and his own marriage and his family and things like that. And I, I think the sad thing is we, we don't have a lot of good examples these days around us, and so we're led to be skeptic uh, or have a skepticism toward, um, toward true love or, um, you know, finding the right person or having a healthy relationship or a marriage. Um, and so I think in any relationship, but, you know, particularly as we think about finding the right person, I think you have to invest. Um, anything in life that you want to grow and have value over time, you have to invest in it. And so Esther and I, we are very intentional about investing in our relationship. And these days, that looks a lot like, I mean, I think in the early days when we're having kids, it was like, oh, we have to have a dedicated date night just to get out of the insanity of raising kids and changing diapers and all that. But I think now we, I would say it's like we love sharing experiences together. And so we'll plan, you know, once or twice a year, like a trip or a vacation that's just the two of us. And we invest in one another. And when we're there, we were really intentional about that time. The other thing I would say is um, that, the the marriage relationship has a lot of power, has a lot of power. And, and what I mean by that is this. Um, I know from personal experience, but I just know from the many, many people that I've seen do this, like you can be losing at life, but if you're winning in your marriage, you will feel like you're winning at life. And the opposite is true. You could be winning at life, you could be winning at your job, or you could be winning you know, externally or outwardly, but at home, if you're losing in this arena, then you'll actually feel like you're losing at life. And a real s simple example of that is like, um, I tell people this all the time, because I, I don't know what's fashionable, right? And so oftentimes we'll be like uh, looking at clothes or shopping at clothes, and I was like, ooh, I really like that shirt. And Esther will be like, what? 
And then I'll like, yeah, this shirt's weird, isn't it, right? And like immediately I change my mind and then, and then there's a shirt that I won't like and Esther will say, hey, you should try that. I think that looks good on you. And I'm like, no, I tried it on. And she says, oh, it looks good on you. And then like, honestly, I'm not just trying to make you happy, but I'm like, wow, this does look good on me, <laughs> right? Because there's a power, honestly, what I'm, what I'm getting at, there's a power in kind of what I think she thinks about me. Like it carries weight. Uh, and that's just a really small sort of anecdote, kind of a, a, an illustration. But if I feel like she respects me and loves me and supports me and believes in me, I feel like I can face any challenge in life. I feel like I can face you know, any challenge at work or uh, anything that comes my way. But if I don't feel like I have her support, if I don't feel like she has my back, then I really don't feel like I can overcome anything. And, and that's the kind of power that that I have experienced firsthand in my relationship with, with Esther. And so, so this, this relationship that we have in our marriage, there's a, there's a really significant power to it. And I, and I think that's something that, you know, we can experience great blessing and joy, or we could also experience great hurt and brokenness and destruction as well. And so it's something not to be taken lightly. And so I, I guess the last thing I, I would say is, because there are so because there are so many sort of not good examples of of healthy relationships, I would encourage everyone here tonight if you do have an example of a healthy relationship in your life, maybe it's your parents or maybe you have friends or maybe you have relatives or just people that you know that you grew up around or with, if they have healthy relationships i would I would pursue them I would spend time with them, I'd take them out to dinner and say, tell me about your story, tell me about your, how do you guys keep, keep it going, you know, how do you invest in this relationship, I would, I would learn from, like they say, the pros, I would look for those kinds of models, and I would, rather than just assuming, well, you know, it's, it's all luck, you know, let's see if we can make it, or let's see if we can endure the years or the challenges, I would say, find people who've done that, who've crossed those bridges, who've gone through those seasons, and who have, relationships that you would respect and admire and that you would want and I would I would spend time with them and you know I wouldn't even say mentor us I'd just say hey can we take you guys out for ice cream or can we have dinner with you or you know we just love to pick your brains as we think about our relationship or kind of our our future together and I think there's a lot of wisdom a lot of really good advice that you could receive from people just by listening to their story and kind of their journey together that's so good just thank you both for your willingness to, to be up here. And um, I think there are a lot of just insightful things that were mentioned. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for you too. Thank you so much. Um, will you guys be around to, to stick around maybe after this for a little bit to answer a few questions? Yeah. Okay, cool. So they'll be around afterwards. And then Eugene, would you mind praying for us? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to share my verse. Uh, oh, David, yeah. uh, during worship, um, you know, invited us to go grab one. And I just happened to grab this one. And I think it's really kind of fitting for what we talked about tonight, but this is from Ephesians 4, um, chapter, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, and Paul writes, be completely humble and gentle, uh, be patient, bearing with one another in love, um, and this applies to every relationship, every person in our life, and Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I'll just read that one more time, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So I'll just pray for us. Yeah. Uh, God, thanks for tonight, a chance for us to be together as a community, to sing songs of praise, 
of who you are and all that you've done, of your faithfulness and your great love, and for this conversation that our community here at Sanctuary has been um, been in for the last several weeks around relationships and love and romance and marriage and sex and, and everything that comes with what's somewhat complicated but also somewhat very simple and clear. And so give us wisdom as we all navigate uh, the relationships that we are a part of or that we're uh, engaging in. And, um, and God, we ask that you would give us a spirit of peace as we think about this, that we wouldn't put uh, undue pressure on ourselves or uh, the, the, the values or the expectations of, of sort of the negative examples in society, but would we look to you as the God of love um, who longs for us to have a deep, intimate relationship with you and with others and uh, give us wisdom as we uh, seek those people out, as we engage, as we invest, um, and as we go um, on that journey together with others. So thanks for tonight. Thanks for this room and everybody here and uh, be with us. In Jesus' name we pray.